Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Rebecca Arce, who during her near-death experience encountered her guides, and today we're going to learn about it. Rebecca, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you very much. All right, Rebecca, if you don't mind, let's start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there. Okay. I know I was 19 at that time. I can't remember exactly day and month. Um, I Like I said previously, I did have a, some health issues as a child with severe constipation. And then that one incident, I guess, was the atomic bomb in my body. And so I, I entered severe fevers, um, pretty high, 104, 105. I just remember feeling really, really sick. I remember going to the hospital. And then after that, I don't remember much. All I know is from my parents that I was there four days. And on the fifth day, when they told them, there was nothing else that they could do if they wanted to stay there or take me home. And so the choice was to take me home. And when I was home, what was interesting is I, I came back for a little while. And I, like I said, I remember seeing family, like almost just coming in, like I would wake up, go back down, wake up, go back down. And I would see family members coming in. They didn't realize they were saying their goodbyes at that moment. I just remember those little, that little bit. And then I was out. And from there, it almost, like I said, it was like a dream state, almost like if I was having a dream. But it was very realistic for a dream. Because I could see myself moving along. The first thing I saw was a hillside and this beautiful land around me. And I kept looking around, wondering where I was. And slowly, you know, someone would show up and kind of just like, kind of just do this movement of like this way. And I would see these people. They didn't look familiar to me. I didn't know who they were. And I found even, I found myself questioning, like, why am I trusting these people? I don't even know who they are, but I'm, I'm following them. I'm, and they, and sometimes they would, it was the weirdest thing. Like they would lead me to this land path, this almost like if I was taking a hike and I would see visions all of a sudden you have a family member and I'm like, whoa, you know, what was that about? almost like little TV screens popping up, like showing me certain things of family that was going to occur that I did not understand at that moment. And then at the end of the hillside, there was a cabin. And I thought it was odd to see a cabin in the middle of nowhere. 
And as I'm walking towards this cabin, a chief walked out. Very huge feathers, huge feathers. Very, it was a, not even the, like, the way we see it on TV portrayed in history books. No, it was a very unique outfit. And he walked out. And I remember he just kept staring at me and his eyes. The one thing I, I remember the most was his eyes. Very intense look, just looking at me quietly. And I remember asking him, like, who are you? And he just stayed quiet. And the only thing he did was extend his hands out. And when he extended his hands out, I noticed he had holes in his hands. And I looked at his hands and I'm like, that looks very familiar. Where have I seen that? And I grew up Catholic, but the fact that at that moment it didn't dawn on me, it was weird that I couldn't figure it out. I was very foggy in the head. And I just remember saying, I feel like I need to trust you. And then that's when he embraced me. And when he embraced me is when I felt myself just completely dissolve into this light. And we were going through this beautiful light. And I just remember thinking, wow, it feels so good here. Like I did not want to leave. I was happy. It was an emotion beyond happiness, beyond just, I can't explain it. It was just beyond anything. And just remembering, thinking like, I could just stay here. I just want to stay here. And as we were traveling through this line, boom, I was up in my bed. And as when I woke up, I remember thinking, what am I doing here? I don't want to come back here. And all these th thoughts were running through my head, not realizing that I was stiff. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my legs. My body was stiff. And when I realized it, I was like, oh, no, this is not good. How am I going to get help? And I don't know how I did it. it I'm, I'm talking, I'm shortening it down, but this took, I think, an hour. It was an hour process or more figuring out how to wiggle myself to fall off the bed from the floor, figuring out how to wiggle myself towards my parents' bedroom, which was around the hallway, and then figuring out how to use my head to knock on their door to let them know I needed help. So that was, like I said, a long journey. It felt like forever. And all I remember is my mom opening up her bedroom door and seeing me on the floor and her scream. She screamed to my dad, Mario, pick her up. And she said that when she touched my body, it was cold. And my dad picked me up on the bed and my mom's like, rubber, rubber. She knew what to do. And they were both, rubbing profusely and I could not I could see them moving their hands I could not feel anything but all I could remember is telling my mom well 
I saw Jesus. <laughs> and I was happy because I was able to tell her, like, guess what? I saw Jesus. It was so cool. <laughs> and she's like in the middle of this panic and trying to figure out what to do. It's like, okay, just stop talking. <laughs> she was like baffled with with my reaction of like this happiness in me of who I saw. And so then she was like, it's okay, it's okay. Just just stay quiet and we're going to help you. And eventually I was taken back to bed. And that morning, I, you know, this. I guess this must have been like, one or two in the morning because I remember they put me back to bed. I woke up around, I think it was around eight or nine in the morning again. And um, I just remember feeling this intense pain. It felt like someone had gutted me in the stomach. My stomach felt hollow. It felt like I had nothingness inside of me. And it was because I had, you know, they had pumped my stomach. They, so there, there was a lot that had been done to me to try to get rid of the, the severity of the infection. So I, I felt like I was beaten up. And so I just remember being in pain that whole day. And all this family was coming over, like looking at me like amazed that I was talking. Uh, the fever was gone. But I was in a lot of pain. And I remember my grandma came up to me and she goes, how are you feeling? And I said, to be honest with you, I don't know why I came back. This is horrible. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to die. Hmm. And then she was like looking at me like, don't say that. And I'm like, no, it's okay, grandma. I'm ready. I'm okay with that. And I told her what I experienced. I'm like, I just want to go back. And she was like, no, 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 you know, you're back for a reason. Don't say that. They were like, again, I kept baffling everyone with my comments of like, I'm ready, guys. <laughs> I'm ready to go back there. And I remember nighttime came again. And I sat in my bed. And I, like I said, I'm in pain. And I'm like praying. And I said, okay, God, Jesus, whoever came. I'm um, well, just take me back. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm good to go. I'm I'm sorry for all that I've done. You know, like I apologize for any wrongdoings I did as a kid. Um, I did my prayers, everything, and I was ready to go. And it was like I lay down in bed, and then this weird thought came through my mind: like, wait a minute, what if they don't take me? <laughs> <laughs> and so then I got up again. I'm like, okay, now I got to do a new prayer. And I said, hey, guys, if, if you don't take me tonight, can you at least take this pain away? Because this is killing me. Like, I'm in a lot of pain. I can't handle this, guys. And went to bed, deep sleep, no dreams, nothing, long sleep, woke up, I think after a 12-hour sleep. And I remember getting up, and the first thing I did was notice that I felt different. I was still not 100%, but I felt more different from the day before. But I couldn't believe what I was feeling, so I questioned it. Am I, like, numb to the pain? Is like, 
There's no way this pain is gone because any movement, any breathing, it would just, it was pain. And so I kind I, I sat up and I was amazed that I was able to sit up because I couldn't even sit up the whole time. I was like crouched like this for to, just to be able to tolerate the pain. So I remember sitting up and thinking, wow, it doesn't hurt to sit up. Then I decided to get up. So I got up slowly and I'm standing in my room and I'm like thinking like, there's still no pain. Then I did something that I, you know, I laugh about now. I'm all like, I decided to hop on one leg to see if it was for real. So I start jumping, no pain. And I was like, that's impossible. And I remember I came out of the room and I went, I walked towards my mom and my mom's like, whoa, like, are you okay? And I'm like, mom, yeah, the pain's gone. It's weird. Like, how is that possible, mom? Like, there's just no way a pain like that could just go away. And she was like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not realistic. I go, I don't feel pain. I'm, I'm okay. I don't feel 100% yet, but at least the pain is gone. And so she just was really confused too. Like everyone was confused of what had happened. She even took me back to the doctors and the doctors are like, I don't know. Like, we don't know what to tell you. Like we thought you were a goner. Everything looks like it's going back to normal. Just, you know, just make sure to keep resting. And so that was 19 to 25. Those years were tough. My immune system was affected. I did have atrophy, especially my right side got affected. I couldn't hold a pencil. I couldn't hold a cup with my, I'm, I'm dominant right hand. So I had to learn how to do a lot of things left-handed. So it was a long recovery of the consequences of the near-death experience. But thankfully, I was able to function, semi-function, but function. So I would go to school part-time, do a little things part-time. And I remember just being frustrated, like, why did they let me come back and not be fully functional? All my friends were off to college. All my friends were getting their BAs, which was taking me years just to get an AA only and so I remember just venting my frustration to a friend of mine like this is ridiculous like why did I even come back what's the purpose of this and a friend of mine that was attending UC Irvine at the time a holistic doctor uh, Dr. Howard Cohn came to do a talk about alternative care so she listened and she came, she grabbed a, a business card and she came over to my house and she goes, I think you need to see this guy. I think he's going to help you on, on your healing journey. And so I went, you know, because I was already tired from hearing the same story from doctors. Like, we don't know. Let's try this. Let's try that. Nothing was working. And so when I went, he did all this muscle testing and just with his fingers touching, he's all on, I'm touching the spleen. He would muscle test without telling anything to this guy. He's like, oh, you've always suffered from constipation. I'm like, yeah, how did you know that? 
oh, I, you know, this organ and that organ is under stress. And he's just rambling on. And I'm thinking, like, how is this guy, no blood tests, no x-rays, just muscle testing me, figuring out all my life, what I suffered from, what was going on with my body. And he's all like, let me put it to you simply. Think of your body as a refrigerator full of food that never gets cleaned out. What grows in it? And when he gave me that description, I was like, oh, my God, is that been in my body this whole time? He goes, yeah. He goes, you're pretty much close to being back on the surgery table again. And I'm like, no, I can't go back to the hospital. I just can't. And so he goes, so he was a very profound shift to my healing journey from age 25 to 30, major detoxes, major supplements to pretty much restore my body, gain function on my right side. And during this process, when they would do whatever healing session, whether it was their uh, holistic chiropractor, which was, or acupuncture or massage therapy, cranial sacral, Reiki, I was introduced to all of that during that time had no idea what that all was, never knew it existed before then. And I was very curious because when they would touch me, when I would get acupuncture done, it felt like electricity throughout my body. And I would tell them like, oh my God, I could feel that traveling in my body. And I could feel this and I could feel that. And I'm seeing this and I'm doing, because I would get visions. Like I, it almost felt like, whatever I went through in my near-death experience, it just, in a, a more holistic way, in my, and as a healer, it amped me up. And then that's when they were the ones that told me, hey, you know you could be a healer, right? You have that capacity. You, what you went through, it almost like gave you this extra sensory that you're not aware of. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? They're like, not any normal person could feel what you've been feeling and describing to us. You, you are meant to be a healer. And I was like, so I became really curious. Like I wanted to learn more. And then that's when I started going to Golden West College for a massage. And they did it very holistically where they, I learned more about Reiki, what it meant, what it was about. An introduction to cranial sacral, yoga, meditation, you name it, I took it. And the more I, I was learning about this holistic approach, the spiritual approach, I was understanding more and more the messages and why I went through that near-death experience. And then I realized like, oh, now I know why I came back. <laughs> because for the longest time, I... I always question, like, why did I come back? What was the purpose of me experiencing that near-death experience and coming back, having to deal with so many health issues and recovery and all that? And then that's how now I'm known as the muscle whisperer. I'm known as this healing facilitator that people would never they feel my hands on them. They're just like blown away. Like I could really feel your energy. People that are very sensitive when I touch them, 
They could feel my hands heating up. They could feel the energy. And they could, even one person, a lot of other healers that they've had my touch and experience my healing, they're like, whoa, like you have a lot of guides around you. Did you know that? And I always tell them the story of my near-death experience, how I, I saw all these people around me and didn't realize who they were until afterwards. Like I said, I, doing all this schooling and meditation and really embracing my experience that I realized who they were, what they meant to me. And then realizing that they were all helping me do this new journey in my life and becoming a healer for people and being able to relay messages from, to them, it, it, any experience they have gone through for me to be able to explain it to them for them to be have that aha moment like I did throughout friends and family that kind of guided me on this path and you know the holistic doctors too. So it's been it's been quite an experience. Every person whoever I've met that has also had a near death experience, it's almost like it's a little club like oh did you experience that oh oh you got to see that and it's actually it's it's fun to share this story because it makes you realize that there's much more beyond what we're experiencing here on earth. And, and what we're experiencing here on earth are just experiences and lessons that I've grown to acknowledge and embrace that anything good or bad that happens in our life, there's no, I don't believe there's anything good and bad. Before I would be like, oh my God, I went through this bad experience. Oh my God, I had this really great experience. Now I just say every experience I go through is well worth it because it's helping me grow and grow and grow. I don't mind how it comes in what way or shape it comes in. I embrace it as an experience as a, of growth. So that's a little bit of how everything has happened so far. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you for sharing your experience with us. During your NDE, you kept seeing visions of things. Were you seeing your past life or visions of the future? It was some were past and some were future. The future ones were very weird because when they started happening, it was like, I would question it because like I said, I was not aware at that time what had happened. And what was the purpose? And yeah. And so when I would experience the ones that did come in the future, it was almost like it turned to me. I took them as confirmations that I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. Like they showed me certain things to be aware, like, okay, you're on the right path. Can you give us an example? There was one vision that I saw that uh, a major accident was going to happen to a cousin of mine. And when that happened, I was able to help him get through that experience, you know, and just make him realize that this was not something horrible that had happened to him. It was supposed to happen and how to move on from that and keep going. What was your reaction during the actual future event that was happening? It was one of those moments. It felt very surreal, like. Almost, and like, again, I would question, like, did I dream this or did this really 
happened, you know, I would question it, of course, because it was, it was very surreal, like, very, very weird. And like the extrasensory, having that extrasensory, there was a lot of experiences, like if cousins were going through a delivery, like labor pains, I would feel the labor pains and wonder why am I in so much pain all of a sudden. Um, I had one very unique experience where an uncle of mine um, decided to live on the street. He was an alcoholic and he was beaten up that night. And I remember that night just feeling someone beating me up. And I remember waking up in the morning and telling my mom, mom, something happened last night. I felt like someone was beating me up all night. And my mom was looking at me weird. And then that's when we got the call that my uncle had been beaten up. Like little weird incidents like that would happen where I would experience something, feel something. And then I would go to my mom and tell her like, hey, this is happening. I was like, is everything okay? And she would look at me weird. And then all of a sudden we would get the call. Uh, Someone had just had a baby. Someone was beaten up. This happened. And it was this one after the other where I was like, how is this possible? Like, why am I experiencing this? So those were the major ones where I was kind of like, whoa, you know. (laughs) Why do you think Jesus appeared to you as a Native American? I've always wondered that. You know, I've always wondered why he did that. And to this day, I don't know. And all I could tell my friends is like, you know what? When that time comes again, I'm going to ask him. (laughs) And they all laugh with my response. Like, I'm going to have to ask him when I see him again. Like, why did you dress up? Like, why didn't you just come to me the way you usually do? You know, and that's only, I only use that phrase because of movies that I've seen of true life stories of children that had their near-death experience and what they saw. And I'm like, why didn't he come to me dressed that way? Like with the, you know, just nice casual white robe and just his unique own self way. So <laughs> You mentioned that you grew up Catholic. Are you still Catholic today? No. No, there was, um, growing up Catholic, I always questioned a lot of things. Um, because there was, as a child, I did have experiences where I would see things, I would hear things, didn't know what was happening. And I would, when, during confession, I would tell priests, like, I could hear people talking to me. Um, I did have an experience at age 10 where my great grandmother visited me. That was the only like real time I saw a vision of a spirit and it was I knew it was her because of pictures but she died when I was five and so I remember when I saw her I'm like wait aren't you dead and she said she responded yes but that she came to visit me to give me messages so I was already a sensitive child growing up I just didn't understand it because I grew up Catholic like you don't you know that's the that stuff of the, you don't talk about that stuff, period. And so I remember confessing to, you know, my priest and telling him like, hey, 
people keep waking me up, bothering me, and then they would give me a little scapula and tell me to pray that it would go away, and it never did. And I remember one day as I as I was getting older, just telling the priest, like, I don't believe you guys anymore. Like, you guys keep telling me that this is not for real, but yet it's happening to me. So it was when I had that near-death experience, that's when I realized what I was seeing growing. And then after what I experienced in the holistic doctors, and then they would tell me, no, you're, you're a sensitive, you're an empath. You, you have these abilities. And with your near-death experience, they just got amplified. And they kept telling me, no, you've been meant for this. You know, this is your path. So, like I said, it didn't dawn on me. So, yeah, after that, I just lost faith in that religion. It, I didn't, I didn't lose faith. I just, I, I did not respect the structure of the way they implement certain things. I love religion. I love what the Bible brings. There's a lot of passages. Um, when I was going to college part-time, I did take a course on ancient literature where we were supposed to read passages from the Bible and the Quran and different lit ancient literature. And it was, it was a really aha moment for me then where it wasn't meant to be in such a structured format. It was just meant as messages written down for all of us to be able to read them when we need them and use them as references for whatever we're going through to kind of lead us back on our purpose, our path. So that's when I was able to respect more the Bible and the Quran and any, like, like I said, I, I love all religions. I love what they contribute to us, what they bring to us, because like, I guess after that experience, it just made more sense to me. Are there any other abilities that you gained from your NDE that you haven't mentioned? The main ones is being able to experience and see things as they're going to happen. Even till this day, um, clients, new clients will schedule sessions. So I do body work and they'll schedule their session. And sure enough, the day before I go to see them, I'll tell my husband, I got a lot of pain in my back or I'm experiencing pain in my wrist. Oh, there's this weird pain in the hip. And I'll document everything I'm experiencing. And sure enough, 100% of the time, and I could say 100% because it's 100%. Once we start working on the client, it's exactly where they're feeling the pain. Mm. So I'm experiencing it before I see them. And that's new. When you were on the other side, you saw Jesus, you saw some other beings, I think that were your guides, but you didn't yeah. really know them. Did you see anybody else there that you did know, like family members that had passed over or transitioned over? No, there was no family there, which is another thing that I also questioned, like, was that, did they know it? I think it, my question is to them is like, did they know it wasn't my time already? And that's why I didn't see family. Mm -hmm. 
because I did not see any family. It was just mainly all these people that I have never seen in my life that were just guiding me. And so I was, I, I wonder if they, they, if they knew, I mean, they must've known, I mean, <laughs> but it, I think that's one question I'll have for sure when it's time, you know, and a, a lot of people always crack up when I always say I'm ready when it's time, you know, when that time comes again, I'll, I'll be ready and celebrating it, you know, because I know what I'm going to. So I'm, I have no fear. Hmm. That's great. When other people talk to you about the fear of dying, how do you advise them or what kind of advice do you give them? I always tell them that they should not fear death. I think the, the fear is more of not letting go of what they have here. You know, and I always explain to them that they will be able to still see their loved ones, experience their loved ones in a different format, in a different way, because I've been able to experience that. You know, all my loved ones that have passed on after my near-death experience, I've been able to see them. For example, my grandmother, she passed away when I was 30, I want to say 32, and that was after my near-death experience. And I remember we knew she was going to die. She had an aneurysm. They had told us it was not good. It was coming. Her death was coming. And I was celebrating it. A lot of family got really angry with me because I was not behaving in another format of loss and mourning. And I was like, oh, because she kept telling us, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm like, okay, good. You know, you're going to love it. And I was just like excited for her. And I remember she was very Catholic, very, very Catholic. And I called her on her birthday. She died after her birthday. And in December, her birthday was September. And I remember she called and she goes, I just want, I asked her, what do you want for your birthday, grandma? She goes, I just want to be able to confess and have my last rites. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that day I hanged up, called all these churches, got denied by like a good 20 churches until finally I got that one church was that was very open-minded. And they're like, sure. They did the her. She got to confess herself, got her last rites. And she called back all excited, like, oh, thank you, thank you. I got an earful from the whole family, like, what, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> I'm like, listen, she's ready to go. She's ready to go. Stop fighting it. It's okay. And I think it was more dealing with other people's fear than the person dying. Because usually when you know you're on your way out, it's like, I'm ready. <laughs> and so I remember the day she died, I was working. I, I refused to visit the body at the hospital because the minute she had her, that other aneurysm that took her, I knew she was gone already. It was just, they were just keeping the body there as long as they could to continue mourning. So I refused to go to the hospital. I went back to work, continued my daily life because that's what she told us to do. She said, if anything happens, you need to continue your life. And I said, oh yeah, that, that's, that's a given. The day she died, 
I was working in, um, at that time I was working at the chiropractic office, the holistic doctor that helped me, I was working for them in the back office. And I had the beautiful view of the Newport beach. It was by the bay where all the boats are parked. And I remember I was, it was during our break and I would do a lot of filing and I'm sitting there and I remember just looking up and then just seeing her in a crystal like figure flying by and just waving with this big smile on her face. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and my office manager, she's like, are you okay? Cause I was like, yes, she's finally going to rest in peace. And then she's all like, looking at me very weird, like, what, what is going on? Oh, my grandma just died finally. Poor thing. She, she suffered a lot. And she's like, okay, you're freaking me out. And I'm like, no, I just saw her. I, it's, she looked beautiful. I'm so happy for her. And then the phone rings. And my office manager's like, if that's your family letting you know that she just passed, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to need to go take a walk. Sure enough, she picks up the phone. It's my uncle to let me know that she had just passed. <laughs> and my office manager's all like, that's it. I got to go. I'm, I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> but those are the experiences that I appreciate. And with all the loved ones that have passed, I think I love those experiences more because they do come back and tell me like, hey, I'm good. Wow, everything you told me was so true. You know, an uncle, the most recent one was an uncle of mine. When he passed, you know, he passed away in his home. And, and I, I went to take my mom just to say her goodbyes. And I remember just looking at the distance at his body and just thinking like, that's just the body. Whatever we come in is not how we leave. It's, it's the spirit. And so I remember I came home after that and I sat in my room and I'm like, well, it was great when you were here. You were the funniest uncle because he was, he was a comedian, a drunk. He was always drunk, very comedic, very playful. And I remember I was sitting there and he always had this habit. He had a very heavy hand and he would always pat me on my head, like very heavy. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, yeah, it was so great. I have so many great memories. I can't wait to see you again when that time comes for me. And I remember he patted me. I remember feeling the pat and I was like, oh, you came. Thank you. You know, <laughs> but those are, again, those are the experiences I gained after the near death experience where I'm able to actually see them transition, see them, experience them after that, their joy. And just knowing that that's where I'll be going to one day. What do you think inspires you about your NDE? What inspires me? It gave me a purpose. It truly gave me a purpose to discover more within me, discover what we're capable of, because we really don't think we're capable of much until you have those moments. And it's, I always say we are each other's heroes. We are each other's healers. We are each other's teachers. You know, any experience, whether it's something small and simple or big or grand is worth telling in, in, in sharing because we all learn from each other this way. 
Has the memory of your NDE faded over time? No. I still remember it. Every time I share the story, I sometimes feel butterflies, the same butterflies I felt when I was going through the light. You know that, like I said, I can't describe it, but I could feel it still. You know, that moment, it's mainly the moment when I went through that light is the most profound part that I remember the most that I hold dearly to my heart. Was it a white light or a golden light? For me, it was very white, like a very like beyond. I mean, we've been to a doctor's offices, you know, like surgery tables where they have that bright white light. It was even whiter than that. I mean, it's like it's just this light that is very powerful and just being in that light feels you could feel the intensity of it but i just to me it was i think the closest what that i could describe it is as a lightning when it comes down the way it just flashes when you're going through it you could see the flashing you know you know, but it's it's a it's a wonderful feeling. There's no fear when you see that. So you're saying that you're in a white light, but as you move through it, it flashes too. Yeah, it's it's. I don't want to say glitter like because it's beyond glitter. It's it's these flash. It's a light that's also like you just experience it. every time it flashes. You experience this intensity of joy and happiness and it's quadruple it's like beyond happiness you know and and just i like i said i just remember when i went through it just thinking like this is great like this is i want to stay here i just want to be here i don't want to go and i just want to be here i remember thinking that i just want to stay here all right so this put you on your path to becoming a healer and now you have an office or you're referred to as the Duo Dragons? Yes. So my husband came to me three years ago. Yeah, that's a great story. So uh, I had just finished my advanced course in neuromuscular. Like I said, I never stopped learning because I'm just fascinated about the miracle of our body the way he created us, whatever source this is, whoever this is, God, Jesus, a combination, um, the way they created us and how the capacity our bodies have to heal. So I'm always learning. So I had just finished this advanced course in neuromuscular therapy and the liaison of the school kept my contact in case, you know, if any student wanted tutoring, because she knew I was, they all knew at my school, I was very gifted. The minute I walked in that school, they were like, whoa, (laughs) it's like, this girl's really gifted. The teachers were blown away. Every time I would touch them, they were just like, oh, you are something special, aren't you? (laughs) Because I would make them feel things. And so the liaison got a hold of me and said, hey, I have, I know you're renting this room, precisely this room we're in. Um, and would you be willing to rent it to a male? Because I was only doing it for females. Yeah, I don't know about it. 
but I trusted, I meditated, I spoke with my guys and they're like, yep, just, it's okay. I'm like, okay, send him over, got to talk to him. I even kind of like called classmates. called classmates, but the funniest thing was talking to my guy. It's like, why are you guys sending me this cheat? Well, he would not stop talking. <laughs> he was like, I'm like, why are you guys sending me this guy? It's too much to handle his energy. I can't handle it. And I would ask them like, why did you guys let me do this? That was in April. In June, my sister gets diagnosed with ovarian cancer, stage three. So then I'm like, oh, okay, let me consult with my guides again. Okay, guys, what's this about? What am I supposed to learn from this experience? How can I help my sister? My sister had not experienced any major health problems until this moment of 2018. So she was scared and she's still very scared. You know, she's in the hospital right now. And, um, and I keep telling her, trust the process, trust it. You're okay. Your guides are with you. This is happening for a reason. Just trust the process, stay calm. And it was meant the, the reason he moved in is because of my sister. So when she got diagnosed, I sat with my guides and they said, you can work on her, but you can't do it alone. And I'm like, well, who am I going to ask? And they're like, hello, who's in the room, two rooms down from you. <laughs> and so I came up to him and I said, hey, you know, I know you're finishing school and you were planning to move on because he had told me once I finish school in August, I'm out of here. And but. I, I feel like we're supposed to meant to we're meant to work on my sister. And so he was very excited. I remember you were very excited and and then very intrigued and interested, like, wait, did your guides tell you this? Because I would tell him some things and he was so intrigued about me. And he goes, Wait, did you guys tell you this? And I'm like, Yeah, actually they did. And so then he he has his gifts too. And he consulted his, and he heard that little whisper, yeah, you're meant to be here. And so we started working together. And what we did was we practiced on friends and family. And then friends and family, when I would work on them, they would feel, wow, like this biggest intensity of my healing. When we work together, they're just like, whoa, you just upgraded like 10 times with him like they were just blown away so at that time my sister like i said was diagnosed stage three she opted for aggressive chemo they gave us the worst case scenario of almost a year of this intense chemo she started it in september of 2018 by december on Christmas Eve, she gets the phone call. Your numbers are so low, it's almost considered cancer-free. And she couldn't believe it. It's only four months. And, I mean, she went through a lot during that time. And I remember the one... Like a year later, I figured out. Yeah, she was diagnosed cancer-free exactly a year from June. The, the June, the month of June she got diagnosed, that... 
following year, June, she was diagnosed cancer free. And I, but before that, we did a little interview with her, just like we're doing right now for her to share her experience of how we helped her during that process. And she said, she goes, if it wasn't for you guys, every week I was ready to quit. Every week I was ready to throw in the towel and, and just say, just let me die, you know? And, and I looked at her like interesting, like, wow, you know? She goes, but I would feel so much better after you guys would work on me. And she goes, and I would say, you know what? I could do one more week. And she just, and that was every week. Every week she was ready to throw in the towel. We would work. She would get chemo in the middle of the week, Sunday, every Sunday, like church, we were working on her. And she would feel better. And she would say, oh, okay, I could do one more week. I could do one more week. And that's what got her through. And she was in remission from 2019 to 2021, just recently, they noticed a shift in her, in her numbers. It's not really bad. It's not even considered stage one. It's like borderline. She's just, anything above 35 is considered cancer. Anything below 35, that whatever, how they document that number through her blood is cancer free. She went as high up as a hundred and right, and then started going down again. The last test that she had was 38. And even though her numbers are low, she's experiencing um, inflammation and she did develop a few more tumors. She also has hernias. And the reason why she's in the hospital is not from the cancer, but the, the consequences. So the tumors and the hernias are compressing on the intestines and causing a blockage. So right now she's in the hospital for that. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat with you. Are you open to that? Yes, I'm very open, even with our new clients, future clients, previous clients. I always tell them I'm here of service. Whatever insight I can provide, I'm, I, I know that's my purpose. So I'm open to receive questions, anything that they need. I'm an open book, you know, and mm -hmm. so any way I can help, I'm here of service. What's the best way to contact you? You can go to our website. It's called Dual Dragons. It's D-U-O Dragons with an S dot com. You can get all our information there, a little bit more of what we do, what services we provide, pricing, you know, and you could also reach us via email, which is jb as in boy, r at dualdragons.com or our business number that is 949-942-942. 1428. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? One last positive message. I say this a lot to people when people are feeling down or they think, what's my purpose? I don't feel like I have a purpose like you. Because I get that a lot. 
they look at me and they think I'm this grand person. I said, no, we are all part of this grand project. You know, I, I remind them that they're all part of this, you know, and I always tell them, keep looking, pay attention in those quiet moments when you're asking, you know, because you do get messages. We just, sometimes we just let busy life get in the way. We don't pay attention, you know, and they say, and they show this in the movies a lot. I'm always amazed now when I watch movies, how much they, they kind of leak messages through movies too, you know, and it's just paying attention to those little messages or those moments that I always tell them it could be a moment that you read a passage through a book and it, it just made you feel good. Pay attention why it made you feel good. What was in that passage? Why did it affect you? Because another person can read it and they won't feel anything. So what was the purpose of that? Pay attention to those little details, the moments you feel chills, your gut instinct. We all have these beautiful senses besides tastes, you know, sight, you know, to be able to hear, touch, feel. There, there's more beyond that. You know, those moments um, as mothers, I tell them, you know, whenever I'm helping mothers with their babies, teaching them massages or ways to take care of their children. And they're like, but how do I know? I'm like, believe me, you'll know. You know, you know when to wake up. Haven't you noticed that? Like when you wake up, you know that's time to go to your baby. And they're like, yeah, I always find that odd. I'm all, it's your, it's, we develop these senses that we're not aware of, that we don't pay attention to. So always pay attention, even when you're feeling down, embrace that. Because when you feel down, there's a reason for it. There's a reason to pay attention to it, hug it, embrace it. When you're at feeling the best, when you're the happiest, hug it and embrace it. I always tell them that everything you experience through life, experience it embrace it you will learn so much about yourself and realize these bigger things about you you know we are all unique we are all special we are all born from this light you know so i always just remind yourself of that can everybody contact their guides and if so how do we do it yes yes you can like I said, sometimes it's just a whisper. It's the thought in your head. Sometimes, you know, people, a lot of people will say, you know, I was, had this, when we're having just simple conversation with friends and, oh yeah, you know, I was, I was going through this and I kept telling myself like, oh, this is impossible. I'm doubting this and that. Because, you, you know, they're getting messages. They're having this self-talk with themselves. And I always tell them, like, you guys realize that's your guides. That's your higher self. You, you know, I always explain to them, I'm like, you know how on TV they show an angel and a devil? I'm like, well, that's pretty precise because we have our, our light and dark side of us. You know, we, we were made this way to be able to experience life. I go, that's you. That's the good you and the little mischievous you. I never say that. I say the little mischievous you. 
I go, and then there's a higher you. And then there's all these people. So when you're having those moments when you're talking to yourself and you hear that little voice, we always think, oh, that's just me having my thoughts. But those thoughts, those are messages. And we don't realize that. Like I said, pay attention to that. How did you come up with that? There's moments I'm, I'm sure a lot of us and a lot of us have a lot of friends have confirmed this that sometimes they get ideas or thoughts that they would have never thought of. That's not you. That's your guides. So when I explain to them that, they're like, oh, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, because I would have never thought of that. I would have never told myself that. And I go, yeah, because that's your guides. That little inner voice within you is your guide. You know, they're with us all times. So, yes, I, I'm a firm believer you can connect with your guys. They're always with you. Sometimes you doubt them. And I always tell them, when you doubt them, what happens? They keep bugging you. And things keep happening until you finally listen. That's your guides. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you. And I wish you a great rest of your evening. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.